would be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Hello and welcome to Ford the Hamlet. My name's Ben and welcome to the second part of our interview with Danny Mills as part of our new Home Disadvantage series. Here it is. Yeah, when we were putting this together, you mentioned that you know there were there were plenty more stories that you could have talked about. But I think the three that you've chosen show really show that sort of development from being a child and having that sense of innocence and that going, then maturing, kind of being aware of some of these issues, but then having to tackle them for yourself for the first time. And then by the time this third one comes along, I really noticed in the way that you were telling it that there was just a sort of air of inevitability about it. You were really just sort of resigned to the fact that you you knew what was going to happen because you could see them like monitoring you before you know they'd even stopped you and it just seems like such a depressing feeling that you kind of know that you're you're gonna have to face up to it before before it's even happened can you maybe talk a bit about how you kind of have come to terms with that in terms of your own kind of maturing over the years definitely um as you mature, as you get older, you, you see more, you see more, you experience more, you educate yourself more, and you're able, you're able to handle situations more. And I know one of the things we, uh, we were speaking about was what's it like being, being black in the UK or in London or whatever. And one of, those, one of those things about being black is being prepared to be stopped by the police or being resigned to the fact where Maybe if you're driving or maybe if you're walking on the, on the road or whatever, you're aware that that is a situation that can happen. And I think for me now, as a, as a grown man, I've, I've just gotten more aware of my surroundings and more streetwise in terms of different scenarios and, 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 and different situations. And I'll give you an example now, like I've been doing a bit of delivery, delivery driving just to pass the time a couple of days a week. Now I live now in a predominantly white area and the areas that I deliver in are predominantly white areas. Now what is being black in the UK? I'll give you, I'll give you an example is that when you, when I'm delivering, I am aware and anxious at the fact that I am in an area which does not have black people. Now, those people seeing me, they're going to be, I, I, I know that there are people watching me thinking, why is he here? What is he doing? Because not in, a, in like, a, like a bright uniform or anything like that. And when you maybe need to deliver things around the, 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 the sides of houses, it's really nerve wracking because you think someone might think that I'm about to go and rob this house. Someone might think that I'm up to no good. That's what it's like. You're aware that people might think this way. And especially being in an area where there's not many black people, people have these perceptions of you, these, these stereotypes. Um, and that's something that two, three days a week I kind of go through now. I mean, like I said, I'm a grown man. I can deal with it. I can get on with it. But it's still in the back of your mind. 
And um, like I said, people can be innocent. I'm not saying that people in the area are racist or anything like that. But as a black man or as a black person doing that, I'm aware of what it might look like to other people and how people might perceive me in what I'm doing. At the beginning of um, lockdown, I was doing some delivery driving as well. Um, Sounds quite similar to what you're doing. And white privilege is me being able to do that job and not worry that I'm going to be walking down a garden path or down the side of a house and someone's going to see me and think that I shouldn't be there. The first thing they would assume is he's delivering something, not what's he doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, sorry, the first thing that I said to, when I told sort of my mum as well and about the job is she said, make sure you have some sort of a uniform on. Make sure you have some sort of a high-vis vest on. That was one of the first things that she said because you don't want people to, like I said, think that you're, you shouldn't be there where I have a full right to be there because I'm working. But it was, you know, just make sure that people are aware of what you are doing. I'm 29 years old. It's like you, you, you might be discriminated against, but you're the one who has to worry about it. I'm, I'm worried. Yeah, I'm worried. Um, and I just want to say, like, obviously, we talk a lot about like white privilege and, and things like that. And you, you've obviously mentioned it a few times yourself. And I think I, I want to make it clear that, that white privilege does not mean that you haven't had it hard. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you haven't had a, maybe a hard upbringing or you haven't gone through your own troubles. But for me, what it means is that you haven't had to go through these troubles or hardships because of the color of your skin. I think that's one of the, the big things. Like you said, me and you do the same job but, or a similar job, but you're not worrying because you're white that people might see you a certain way or think you're up to no good. Whereas I have to think, right, I, I need to just be aware of where I am, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, how it looks. And I think that's a part of it as well. I think to put this in a, in a context of Dulwich Hamlet, you know, we talk about sort of having these conversations and trying to kind of broaden it out so we can actually get people talking about this. You know, you, you walk into the clubhouse after scoring a goal and you're kind of treated as a hero and people want to talk to you and, and be around the team. And that's great. But it's these experiences that we don't speak about, about what you're doing outside of the football club, outside of the 90 minutes, about how you have to live your life and how the way society is structured kind of impacts on your life. And I think that's why, you know, it's essential that we have these conversations because people aren't aware of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, this is part of, this is now part of hopefully bringing about a change and a solution is having these conversations and not burying your head in the sand or feeling a type of way. This is what's happened. This is what happened. People can perceive it how they want to perceive it, but this is a fact of what has, what has happened in, in, in my own, own experience. And um, I think now the big thing is in terms of a solution is education. And, and like I said, having these conversations and, reading and speaking to people about their experiences and now how can we bring about change ourselves and you know there's obviously a massive movement with the black lives matter and people are pro- uh, protesting and 
we're starting to see some 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 change and and that's what what needs to happen you know myself and and there's obviously going to be different players with different experiences in different circumstances and have their own stories and um yeah i think it's important that you know we do have the conversations what would you say to um a white person who is nervous about starting these conversations with a, with a, a black person because they might well be yeah of course and i think i think a lot of white people are very nervous i think a lot of white people are scared to say the word black because they think you know i don't know why but you know i think that's even a touchy quite quite a touchy subject for them is to even say the word black and i think first and foremost i think it's about educating yourself and and maybe finding out what it's been like for black people in the uk there's plenty of content on on online and 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 different uh, different streams and, and there's different programs about black history in the in the uk and i think it's about just maybe doing a bit of self-education to find out what is happening looking at police stats i've i've, I've got one here um you know black black uh, black people are eight times more likely to be stopped by the police not many people may know that but eight times more likely um you know to to, to be stopped by a police and it's just finding out those those little little stats and thinking well i want to start a conversation with someone i'd like to speak further about this i'd like to look at more content you know we're lucky where we have social media we have things like zoom and all these platforms and i think it's important that people people watch them because now people might have a different perception of myself good or bad or they might think well he's you know it's not been easy and i'm not i'm not saying i've had all these hardships i'm just giving you experiences i've been quite lucky I've, i haven't i haven't had to deal with that every day but i've just had those experiences and i'm one of millions that have had those experiences yeah i mean um it's uh what was when you first mentioned these um these three experiences was what i thought might happen is that they were at totally different stages of your life particularly like under the age of 25 when mentally you're still developing like i mean really even in your early 20s you're a kid right and you're so impressionable and you're very aware of um i don't know how to put it but it's, it's, it probably had a bigger impact on you than it would as as it would now when you know you say you're more confident and you're more used to these situations so those early experiences yeah. definitely kind of direct how you behave now and i think that's like you say that's the same for probably millions of other people in the in the uk particularly in london and it, and th- those are experiences which we take for granted like that, that wouldn't happen to us like I wouldn't have got stopped leaving David Lloyd after I'd locked up at night. Never. Like, um, yeah. I, I wouldn't have been told I was going too slowly on the motorway. I, I wouldn't have been, um, you know, the police would never have said they didn't believe me that I was driving a courtesy car. Like, so, so many aspects of the stories you've told just aren't applicable to me as a white man. <clears throat> well, I, I, think, I think also as well is that even if you went through similar experiences 
you're not gonna you're not gonna um, come away from those experiences thinking was I stopped because of the color of my skin or I was stopped because of the color of my skin I, you don't come away from that experience thinking that and that's what you know and you know unfortunately the way things have gone over the years that's the experiences that that black people go through and what you then come away from certain experiences thinking and believing because of the way it happens um it's not with a certainly in my my situations i didn't it never felt genuine i, I you you know you've stopped me because i'm driving too slow i don't believe that you've stopped me because i'm driving too slow and if i was driving too slow i, I would be probably the first to say Do you know what fair enough yeah i'll drive a bit too slow oh. um so i think yeah it's, it's important that people do realize this and that you know we like I said, you don't have to worry about those things doing your, your delivery job and that. And I even have another example of when you book a holiday, I bet you don't have to research what the racism is like in that country. And that's something that I'm t a lot of, of black people will do. Um, me, uh, I was going to go to, to Italy this year and um you know, the first thing you think about is, right, okay, what's it like in that country? Are they accepting? Are, is there a lot of racism there? And you then make calculated decisions on where you go abroad. And that's something that I'm not saying all white people don't, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the majority of white people don't have to worry about those things. And it's just something that is part of, part of being, being black. I think, yeah, t talking about it and trying to see it through through your eyes is something something different. Things that we don't have to worry about. It's like, you know, every 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 time something nice comes up, like the prospect of a holiday, or like, oh, great, you know, I've got a got a new courtesy car just to test for a few months. That should be fun. That should be like something to look forward to. But the fact that it all has to be tempered by, oh, well, I've got to worry about this. I've got to be anxious about this little aspect of it seems to put so much more stress than what Ben and I have had to experience. It's quite hard to enjoy like those experiences, Like you don't really, does it mean you don't really fully enjoy it? Like, cause you're always thinking, um, I going to get racially abused or. I certainly think like you have to live your life. You have to live your life. And that's something that I've learned. I've, I've not, I've, I've grown up in this country feeling free to do anything I want to do. I've never felt like I can't do anything and I can, you know, if we're talking 30, 40, 50 years ago, it's a lot different. I can walk into a, into a, into a pub and have a drink and feel no way about it. I can walk into a shop, fine, no problem. People will accept me for who I am and people will have conversations and people will talk to me. Um, but then there's certain situations and scenarios which will maybe remind you, right, something could happen here. But for the, for the, for the, for the best part and the more part, I, I live with peace of mind, really, with, with the majority of the time and, and the way I live my life. But I think you're always aware that there are certain, there's certain prejudices out there. There's, um, there's a lot of, obviously, racial profiling out there and you know, little things like walk, walking, on the, walking on the street and people crossing the road. That happens. Now, 
you won't think you might not necessarily think twice about that happening but i know that that person's just looked at me and now a second later they're on the other side of the road and then i see them cross back over the to the to the same side of the road you know so would you say these things happen would you say that the color of your skin affects how you live your life every day no I, i i personally wouldn't say so I wouldn't say that there's been a, uh, it, it doesn't impact me every day. Um, like I said, I, I wouldn't, I don't want it to come across as if I've, it's been hard to, to even step outside my house because I fear this or fear that. Like I said, I walk out fine and I'm, I'm, I'm accepted where I live and, and, in the, and in the community that I'm in. But what it is about is just make it, is, is knowing that we as black people, as black men, you have to be conscious or you are conscious, should I say, you are conscious of certain scenarios. It doesn't necessarily dictate or change the way you live your life, especially the older that you get, because the more mature you are, the more you can handle yourself, the more you know, the more educated you are. So you walk, I certainly walk around with confidence and do everything with confidence because I know that I've got nothing to worry about in terms of I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm not doing anything wrong. So in, in that aspect, no. I'm curious, there's been quite a lot of debate that's kind of grown in, in the, even just in the last couple of years about issues of racism in football. And that's probably too big a thing just to dive into here. But I want to know if you think there's any ways that football can be used as a vehicle to kind of counter racism and be a sort of productive force for good. Definitely. I think you look at the, the black players in the Premier League, your, your Raheem Sterlings, your Marcus Rash, Rashfords, your, your, you know, your Troy Deeneys, people that are really like on a massive platform and advocates for you know, change for black players. And they're really the driving force. They're really the driving force because they are loved by millions and millions of people and they can influence people in a positive way. Um, and I think as it, as it trickles down, I think that not just black, black players or, you know, everyone, this needs to be a collective effort. I think that's an important thing to say is that this isn't white versus black, black versus Asian or white versus Asian. This is everyone against racism. This is everyone against racial profiling. This is everyone against institutional racism. This is everyone against all of it. And I think that's where you're seeing a bit of a change now in terms of the protesting is that there is such a diversity in, in, in the people that are protesting. That's the only way you're really going to get change. And the footballers, they have to keep being passionate about what they want to do. They have to be passionate about supporting it. And they are. They're, 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 they've been absolutely brilliant in, in their approach and what, and what they've done. And it needs, it, but it's not, it shouldn't be fashionable to be against racism in terms of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing this for the next two weeks, three weeks. I'm going to do this just to get a thousand likes on, on, on Instagram or, or, or Twitter. Because this conversation has been happening for years and years and years and years and years. So it, it's not a, it shouldn't be fashionable. It shouldn't just be a phase. This needs to be ongoing and ongoing until there is sufficient change, really, till there's genuine change. And unfortunately, we're still having these conversations in 2020. We're still protesting in 2020. They've been protesting for years. 
you know, I spoke to my dad a few days ago um, and he said, you know, what, what do you think about it? And he said, I'll be honest, I, you know, I've been seeing this f- since the 60s, 70s, 80s. You know, this is not, some, this is not anything new. Um, but you just hope that at some point there is that change. Is there anything about this um, from your point of view that the recent momentum that Black Lives Matters has built up? Is there anything that you think is different? Do you see any, you know, your, your dad sounds like he might doubt whether or not this is going to be long term and actually have an effect. Do you feel differently? Um, I feel like, I feel like a major difference, like I said, is the diversity in those protesting. And I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people coming forward and and speaking out about it, which is, which is a, which is a good thing. Um, I think someone like my dad, I think you're always a bit cautious because you've seen it, you've seen a lot of you know, you've seen a lot of racism, you've seen, you know, the protesting, etc. And you just want to believe that there can be a change, but you don't want to get your hopes up, if that makes sense, that there is going to be a change in case there isn't and, and nothing is genuine. But I certainly think that diversity, and I think that you're, you, we live in, live in an age now where you have a lot of black people with platforms. And a lot of, you, you look at John Boyega, he was willing to put his whole career on the line for what he, he was doing, didn't care. And that's what it's about. We're human beings. It doesn't matter what job we do, what background we come from. This is a collective effort. Anthony Joshua in, you know, was, was, was part of the protest. Tyrone Mings as well. Because before, before you're a footballer, before you're a, a doctor or before you're a boxer, you're a human being. You know, you're a human being and you, you have emotions. And, you know, for us, we're black, we're black men and women. And, and children and, and that's, that's what comes before anything and racism it shouldn't be a debate racism should not be a debate at all there should be no there shouldn't be uh, any questions on it not in this day not in this day and age not years ago you know th- there shouldn't be a debate about racism and hopefully through these conversations and through education we can, we can bring about that change um, and there needs to be action as well. I think it's easy to identify a problem. We've identified many problems over the years, but now there needs to be there needs to be action taken. There needs to be a movement. And you look at, like I said, it, and it's going to take people like Marcus Rashford. It's going to take people like Raheem Sterling, and people that are have that pedestal and have that platform to really push it and drive it and, and, and Anthony Joshua's and, 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 and all people and, and hopefully we'll, we'll start to see it. To me, it's, and um, we'll wrap this up in a minute because as uh, Hugo and I have a, a classic habit of ending up spending exactly one hour recording anything, like even if we aim for 25 minutes, it always seems to be, in a 10 minute window around the hour mark. And that's exactly what's happened again today. Um, yeah. So in future we'll have to, um, well, maybe, maybe 45 minutes is more achievable, but um, I, just, I just wanted to ask, and I've just been thinking about it as we've been speaking. So do you think in terms of progress, progress on this going forward in terms of education and awareness and, and 
essentially like demolishing the structure of systemic racism that's been in place for hundreds of years. I, I thought, for, I, I, for a few days, I thought maybe it is, it's totally grassroots led, right? And it's, I can't get this, um, this paragraph or this few sentences out of my head, which is um, the, the individual affects the house, the house affects yeah. the, the city affects the county, the county affects the state. It's, it's it's us centric the one that i saw so it includes state yeah. and then nation but the the, the yeah. thought is the same right at the grassroots level if one person talks to two other people etc 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 it builds and builds that is one aspect which i think would help but then also is there is there another aspect where it's people like marcus rashford it's people like raheem sterling like Jaden sancho like anthony joshua like john Boyega, who've got a huge reach and status and a platform to then amplify that, so the the two prongs at the same time, is that the key? Yeah, def- definitely, because we don't all have that platform. We don't all have millions and millions of, of followers. So people, people like myself and people at that sort of grassroots level, you have to have the small conversations to to influence your next door neighbours or you know to, to to be educated and see what it's like then they will, they, they will tell a family member, that family member tells a friend, that friend tells a brother, that brother tells a sister, a father, a mother. And that way it, it spreads. And obviously the, the big thing, like I said, are those people that can have the millions of view, um, followers that they can influence. But I said it starts, for me, it's, it starts with Joe Bloggs on the street as well. And it's as, it's as powerful as, as, what, as what they're doing. And... Um, you know, I think I was looking at the, um, you know, the, the PFA, they, they tweeted yesterday about their diversity in, in, in their organisation. And they put the stats and the percentages of, of, of you, know, black, you know, black management, uh, black leadership teams and stuff like that. And this is what we need to really be seeing. And this is what companies need to be open and, and, and enough to say, well, maybe, maybe there is a problem here. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's one thing to identify the problem, but then there needs to bring about change. So, Danny, thank you. That's, that's been fascinating. And in the spirit of that, we're going to keep this conversation going. Um, we're going to speak to some other players um, with your input as well. And, yeah, sort of keep identifying these issues and keep talking about the solutions and talking about progress. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it would be good. I think, um, you know, we need to to, to get quite um, a diverse group of people from maybe different backgrounds and people that have probably had different different experiences and people that are probably not necessarily willing, but able to to communicate it and, and be and, and articulate it the way they want to. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, I think it's just about getting it out there and, there's a lot of things, there's obviously things today that you've learned about me that you thought would never have happened. And there's going to be that for a lot of people, probably with worse experiences than mine. Um, you know, you've got, you know, I wanted to, my topic was more about racial profiling. You're probably, you might, we're going to probably have people that have had acts of racism. There's obviously a difference between an act of racism and racial profiling. You're going to have people that have had racial slurs and, 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 and people that have been really aggressive towards them. And, and that's another it's, you know, it's just another view on and another experience that someone's gone through. 
it'll be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. 